0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.
1: If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com weightloss weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss.
0: Want to teach your kids financial literacy but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving
1: Please welcome to the stage a very funny, the hilarious Nick Reynoldson. <laughs> Nick Reynoldson
2: is a very smart and funny stand up comedian who hails from just outside of Toronto, Ontario. The co host of the popular Talking Raptors podcast, Nick is currently in the running to win Sirius XM's Top Comic Contest, which would crown him the best comic in Canada and earn him a cash prize and slots at Just for Laughs festivals around the world. You can hear Nick doing some jokes at the end of this episode, and then, if you like, you can vote for him as many times as is humanly possible until August 17th, 2018. You can learn more about that at topcomic.siriusxm.ca slash comic slash Nick hyphen Reynoldson. Now, I've seen Nick live a few times, and we recently connected for a conversation about his upbringing in Scarborough, which is just outside of Toronto, And what it was like to be raised by his interracial parents and their parrot. His views on the state of comedy in Toronto and Canada. What's up with the Toronto Raptors right now? They made a bunch of big changes in the off-season. What's going on with the Raptors? And we talked about other things, too. With in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, and of course listeners like you who make flexible monthly pledges at patreon.com slash creative control, download episodes, and ask your pals to subscribe to this podcast just like you do. This is the 417th episode of Creative Control featuring Nick Reynoldson with your host, me, Vish Khanna.
0: Uh, Thank you guys so much, man.
2: Hi Nick, how are you?
3: I'm fantastic.
2: Vish how are you doing? I'm I'm pretty well. I'm pretty well. It's a it's a nice morning here in Guelph. Where in the world are you? I'm in uh downtown Queen West, Toronto. Oh, that is a, a bustling place normally. Is that where you live?
3: Uh it's where my girlfriend lives. I'm staying with my girlfriend. I live in Scarborough, which is um I like a lot better to be honest with you. <laughs> you you like Scarborough better than Queen West. Especially in the mornings, I like waking up and going outside and not really like seeing people. Mm -hmm. You can't Queen West is it's a disaster. It's thousands of people everywhere.
2: Yeah, Queen West has been uh, become. I don't know what part of Queen West you're at exactly, but it's it's becoming or has it's been gentrified, right? That's fair to say.
3: Um, Yes, that's more than fair to say. Absolutely. In the
2: process of being gentrified, it's just it just seems to be. Constantly in gentrification mode, uh, I, I, I would say. And and you're from Scarborough. You know, I, I have spent a considerable amount of time in Scarborough because all of my cousins and aunts and uncles, obviously, are in that. That's where they all came from India. They went there. And yeah. My parents settled in Cambridge, which is about an hour from, from you. So we would just drive there almost every weekend. And I, I just, I, I kind of, like, what part of Scarborough are you are you in exactly?
3: Brimley and Finch
2: okay we would be like on um i we would take a uh, i guess mccowan boulevard to yeah. something and then uh, uh and then uh my other sets of aunts and uncles lived off of markham road
3: oh yeah we're all in and around the same same area right same
2: now. area yeah so what was it like growing up in scarborough
3: uh it was the best i mean it's like the most multicultural way you could bring up i mean different cultures like all my friends were all different backgrounds and And all the food was different. You got to learn about everyone from an early age. Like it was uh, a big part of like why I'm very accepting to everyone, I guess, kind of growing up and not like not thinking anyone's weird because i have like I've seen everything weird. Do you know what I mean?
2: (laughs) Well, just to clarify for people who want to home in on what you're saying about other cultures being weird, because (laughs) at this day and age, uh, that's maybe problematic. But you yourself uh, let's just let's. I'll, I'll I'll join you in the kind of you know problematic speech. You have a a weird <laughs> cultural background too, right?
3: Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yes. I have a weird cultural background. What? what is and your... it gets weirder when you break it down, and that's what I mean by weird. Where where weird? I just meant like, f- like, like uh, foreign to me. Yeah, no, even foreign sounds problematic. It's not good. Bish. We didn't start. No, we,
2: we. This is not. We're going to get in trouble for this. What? What is your foreign background? I can't believe I just said that. What is your? What is? Where are your parents from? I suppose is the easiest way to put this.
3: Okay, so um, so my, I'll, I'll start off with <laughs> my mom is from, <laughs> my mom is from Guyana.
2: Your mom is from Guyana. Okay.
3: Yeah. Uh, and uh, my dad, he's just from Canada, but uh, his family's from England. So he came He came over when he was like a little kid. My mom uh, came to Canada when she was maybe like 18 or something like that. Um, and what I mean by weird is like, so we came to Scarborough and there's all these different cultures too. And I, I'm like, I'm a mixture of both cultures. So they didn't really know how I was supposed to be raised, right? Um, and then that extended to my father's not religious, but my mom is Hindu. But my mom was like, oh, you need to have some sort of religion. So she sent me to a Christian church. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as I got old enough to realize, like, what was I'm like, you're not even Christian. This is so weird. I just stopped going to church.
2: <laughs> That's interesting. She didn't want to, to pass on the Hinduism. She thought you should, what, integrate? I, just,
3: I, I literally think there was just because there was a, a church closer than there was a temple. And she's like, well, you're, you're going here now.
2: So did you? Did she practice? Did you have like when I grew up, there were pujas and things, you know, gatherings of people for religious ceremonies, or we'd have to go there and sit cross-legged while people yeah. people sang and stuff like that. She, so
3: she, because she was like the youngest one of uh, of her family, she kind of like got lost in that shuffle where she didn't really, she doesn't really know everything. Like, still had pujas and jandis and things like that. Not at our house, but definitely every all all my family's house. Mm. Um, yeah, so, she, so, she has. She has 13 siblings so there's a oh, lot of oh my goodness them. really yeah. how many are yeah.
2: how many are here
3: um majority of them oh okay not eight or nine are definitely here and they all have kids and stuff so i've been to lots of lots of pujas and lots of jandis
2: that's an interesting thing about uh, families like that where like in yours and mine they send a scout over to a different country <laughs> and they the scout checks it out and says yeah it's it's okay we can all we can all hang out here, and then yeah. the rest of us show up, or them show up, I should say.
3: Oh, yeah. Come on. And a lot of times, they leave in the same house at first, right? And then yeah. they break off and and build empires, man.
2: <laughs> well, so you had, I think, a somewhat similar upbringing. My, both of my parents are from India. Uh, both of them are practicing Hindus. And I ended up kind of, well, I grew to appreciate the uh, diversity of my upbringing only in university, when people, particularly women, would say, "Oh, you got to eat Indian food. That's a that's amazing. Oh, you, <laughs> and you, you. So you grew up with Indian. But that's that's incredible." I was like, "Oh, this is an asset. I, you know, because I so used exotic, to, yeah, Because yeah, I used to like play road hockey. I didn't realize it, but every time I came back from university, or rather from I'd go yeah when I was in school and university, I'd go home for the weekend. When I came back, my friends would politely say, "Man." You and your laundry really smell like Indian food. It's like, oh, <laughs> uh, oh, they, I do. They're like, yeah, didn't notice it before, but just from the weekend. So then I started to put it all together, and I realized, you know, I would play road hockey after dinner every night because I'm yeah. from Canada, and I always wondered why I was always open. I was always in the slot, and I think it's because <laughs> they found it a little off-putting the smell of the Indian food. So I, I that's what I realized after. Like, I did you have that? Did you? Did you resent your upbringing at some point in your cultural background, and then grow to appreciate it, or were you always uh, of the same mindset about it?
3: I think it was just more. I was more confused as a little kid as to what that, like, what I was, and 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 uh, and like who to identify more with, right? Like, because I grew up, I was way closer with my Guyanese family than I was with my dad's family. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that weird thing and, and, uh, but you know, you're always like, I was always a white kid in my Guyanese family because my mom is the first person to marry like a white guy. Right. So it was just me and my brother. Um, so there was like, I, I was like weirded out to how they, when I got older, I heard stories of, Oh, like my mom's family didn't really want my mom to marry my dad. Um, so I, I was like kind of resentful in that way. Maybe when I was about like 16, 17. Um, but now I'm like, uh, now I'm cool, man. Now, now I'm not mad at anything. <laughs> well,
2: I've you know I've seen you perform many times, and you've talked about uh, the fact that your father was particularly white, or is yes. is particularly white. And 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 I can you expand upon that? Was that just exemplified when he was at family gatherings, uh, or was it just generally just a white guy?
3: Well, it's like even like like how you were talking about um, your clothes smelling like curry. Like, well, my my mom didn't cook curry that often because my dad didn't like it right so and but me but like especially me i loved it so like it would be like a special treat like once a month where my mom would like make curry right, right so right
2: right <clears throat> so you had to, your dad was having trouble adapting to this he was having a, like a cultural clash if you will yeah right and yeah. so and so did, did, and did he come from a large family
3: uh no, he just has one. He has one sister. And, and they have, a, like a big gap in between them too. So he's quite, older than she is.
2: Quite different. Quite an unrelatable circumstance, but your parents make it work.
3: Yeah. Oh yeah. They're they're still kicking it. They're still together. <laughs> and my, my dad's gotten better. He eats uh he eats curry now. It's hilarious to see him like sit down and eat like roti and curry because he'll, he'll make it like a burrito and it's so embarrassing. Right. Like he he won't use his hands with, you know what I mean? Like yeah, he won't take the yeah. roti with his hands. He'll make it a burrito with a fork and then eat it. Like, oh, it's like oh, I
2: was <laughs> like, <laughs> wow. that is particularly white. I, I don't know what else to say. That is a very no, white, yet, white guy move. I would
3: insanely say. like I move yeah
2: now you've all you mentioned that you were a, a, a weird little kid and I've seen you perform live I've seen you in person you continue to talk about the fact that you feel like a weird little kid uh weird looking all these things are you are you at peace with yourself really Nick this is all part of the act you're okay
3: <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm okay like I definitely I had a weird I, I never like i always fit in does that make sense like i always had friends i never felt like i was like a loner like not not but i was like definitely weirder than my friends yeah um and i I still continue to be weirder than my friends like i i did magic like sleight of hand magic for four years that's that's of my childhood and like i was dedicated to it like a psychopath
2: (laughs) well what drew you to magic per se
3: uh, I I th- I guess it was like David Blaine. I, th- I was like that's the coolest shit I've ever seen in my life. Like huh. I thought I definitely thought he was like a strange man and I'm like I don't like your personality, sir. It's uh
2: <laughs>
3: very cold and weird, but uh I like your magic.
2: Okay, so you drew- so you- is it fair to say you were always drawn to the performing arts? Like did you know you wanted to uh, you know perform and did you-, you knew you needed that attention so to speak?
3: Yeah, I was like I was a theater kid. Uh, oh, were you? In, okay. In my entire high school, yeah. I was in all plays from grade 9 to grade 12, yeah.
2: And sorry, you mentioned your mother's large family. Do you have siblings? I have,
3: uh, yeah, just my... I have a younger brother, a year younger than me, brother.
2: Okay, so you're the older brother. So you weren't. What you weren't... Were you drawn to theater and performing for some, you know, desire for attention, per se? Like, it wasn't something about your home life not getting enough attention? Do you know why? What spurred you into that realm to be like, I need... I need some affirmation from people watching me perform on stage. Do you know where that comes from?
3: I mean, I think it like I was always like, I don't know. I always like to make people laugh. And then, like all my family, I remember from a little kid, I used to sing like all these weird, I, had a, I, I don't know what, how the song went obviously now, but it's a big thing in my family, Vish, that I had a song about roti. Like when I was a little, little, little kid, like barely speaking, I had a song about roti and they would parade me around and make me sing this song about roti. Wow. Um yeah I wish I wish I knew how the song went but uh something about clapping roti and I, I god knows um
2: <laughs> did you write it was it recorded someone must have captured this for posterity it,
3: I it's got to be on a camera somewhere on right. VHS somewhere some yeah. s- in someone's basement So it was um, making
2: your family so... laugh that that drew you to like oh like that's a you had the sensation of making a crowd laugh or 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 applaud what is that what happened
3: yeah and it, it was almost like i could i found out like very young that like you could make someone laugh and they're like tension like if it was awkward or if, or if something you know uh uh there was like tension in the room you could you could break that with like laughter or or doing something silly or, or making a face or something I learned that at a very young and i i like doing that
2: Okay, and so did you were you drawn to other like do you remember what influenced that? Like did you see comedy on TV or did you encounter stuff, uh, films or something that were you were like, "Oh, huh, that guy I want to be kind of like that. That person or or do that kind of thing?"
3: Uh my like my dad used to show me up, like Monty Python all the time when I was younger, and then I I think it really like when, when I saw Jim Carrey for the first time, um. Also, really, also from the area, right? Yeah, hometown boy. Yeah, he
2: was from Scarborough.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So got, he was very, very poor when he lived in Scarborough. Yeah.
2: So, is, and, and Mike Myers is also from Scarborough, right? I believe so. Yeah, Weird. our
3: surrounding area, but yeah, definitely somewhere.
2: Definitely I believe so. he's talked about Scarborough. So you got Mike Myers, Jim Carrey, these these Canadian comedy legends, and you realize you're you're from the same place. That's got to be a little man. You must have felt pressure to be funny
3: uh yeah yeah (laughs) i gotta be as
2: funny as those guys
3: (laughs) the funniest guys ever yeah
2: (laughs) now you mentioned jim carrey and i think of your your live show there is a bit of him in there isn't there like the kind of rubbery like the performative aspect i'm I'm not saying you're talking out of your butt or whatever but like he he does have this rubber-faced thing where he is expressive in just his face that i i when you mentioned the theater i assumed it When I thought of your act, when you mentioned that, I was like, oh, well, that makes sense. He's kind of got some acting chops. But the Carrie thing now crystallizes it a bit more. Did you study him, so to speak?
3: I mean, yeah. I I mean, unintentionally, right? Like, I was obsessed with it. I thought he was the funniest dude who watched all his movies. Uh, And it definitely... You know what's hilarious is actually, um, not like you said, that rubbery face thing, is all my cousins used to call my brother Jimmy. Because he also had that rumb- rubber face thing, so we are like, "Oh, Jimmy, right?" Cause Jim Carrey, right? Um, but yeah, we we both uh, we both did it, and I, I'm like, I I knew like from theater that you need to use your face, and Jim Carrey was the best at it, and I always like I I was always an expressive kid with my face.
2: That's yeah, no, I mean it's it's quite something to watch you perform. There's a lot of confidence there in your. I I don't I, like your physicality. I, I think that's one thing that some comedians don't necessarily have. They have the material, but they don't have, I guess, the stance or the charisma. But you seem very confident on stage. How long have you been doing comedy now?
3: Oh, man, my entire adult life. I think 12 years now. 13. This will be 13. Oh, God, beesh. 13 years.
2: <laughs> and do you have some. Do you have some perspective on how it's evolved from from the earliest days to now? Like, do you sense what I sense that you have a particular confidence now that, that maybe you didn't have when you were first starting out?
3: Oh, for sure, I was terrible. I was terrible when I first started. I also was like a twenty year old kid who didn't know who the hell he was or what he was doing, or you know, um, I was so scared of what people thought and and especially in stand up you learn to like not that that goes away pretty quickly if you get serious about it and you want to do it and you just become confident in what you're saying and like my so it goes, like my mom always told me she was like I was always that kid who was super opinionated with family especially about religion so I I used to get in arguments about religion with my family and my mom was kind of like no 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 you know like I'm not saying you're wrong I'm just saying like we're trying to have dinner can you stop making your uncles angry so everyone can have a good time? Right. Right. So it's kind of like sit down, shut up, smile. And then once I got old enough and like the confidence, I'm like, no, what I say, like my opinions are valid and should be heard. And that's when I kind of stepped into like, yeah, man, I'm confident. I'm going to say what I'm going to say. I'll stand behind it.
2: Do you have a, a, any sense memory of uh, an early joke that clicked where you're like, Oh, and maybe even an early performance where you're like, uh, huh. This is I I I know who I am now. I know what my perspective is. Do you have a, a, any memory of those things?
3: Mm, like the no, I don't I don't I don't think there's like a, <laughs> a specific show
2: when I was like I got it. I got it baby. <laughs> Do you remember the first joke that really felt like, "Oh, like I I got it. I I actually wrote this and it, it makes sense now like after refining it."
3: Huh? Uh-huh. it's a deep question, isn't know. it it's yeah, a it's a deep one I just a... wonder
2: like some we always they say you always remember your first Nick, so I just wonder if if that's is something that is it if, even if I, it's something that's still with you in your act uh
3: i I remember my first set ever, and I definitely remember what jokes worked and uh and how terrible they were. I do remember that, but I don't remember when they were um I don't remember where it switched over where I'm like, i want to say this, yeah as opposed to, like, I'm saying this because I think you guys are going to think it's funny. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, sure. Like, yeah. I definitely come from, I'm like, this is what I want to say to you because I think it's funny, as opposed to, I I think you guys are going to think it's funny.
2: Well, I mean, I, I also, going back to what you were saying about sort of uh, eradicating tension, and, you know, you grew up in Scarborough, which is not, the reputation of Scarborough is that it's kind of a tough place. Did you use comedy to get out of sticky situations?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Like, my, my friends were into some bad shit, some of them, for sure. And, yeah, I, would always make, I could always make people laugh and, like, calm things down and, like, get out of fights. I never I, – like, I had one bully, but I even ended up being his friend. Like, we ended up being friends.
1: Hmm.
3: Never – yeah, I never got – I was always the smallest kid in the school and never got bullied, man, because I was funny. <laughs> people leave you alone if you're like, – like, you're – like, I'm a jester, man. They have to keep me around. You want entertainment? Oh, don't don't kill me, please.
2: I feel like I had that once, actually. I, can, I remember a memory of, uh, there was like a, the bullies always kind of congregated, didn't they? They were kind of a gang. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, even when the schools fed into each other, the bullies found each other. I don't know how that worked out. And I remember <laughs> there was like, a, in the new school, there was a guy and he wanted to bully me, but a guy that I went to, grew up with, he was a bully, but he's like, no, you leave him alone. And I think it's <laughs> probably because he thought I was kind of funny. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. It helps. Because sometimes the bullies are jealous of the funny guys because they're smart. The funny people are are a threat because they seem smarter or they act smarter than maybe they even are.
3: Yeah, but as long as you don't... You can't be condescending with the bullies. You just got to make them laugh and keep them moving and hope you don't get punched in the back of the head.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So does does that mindset uh, impact you when you're doing crowd work or if there's a heckler? I've seen you do crowd work, and it's quite magical. I watch it uh transform into something really and you're you're very aware of the room. Every time I've seen you someone maybe emits a sound or, or or says something and you react to it. You don't ignore it. Um does that stem from that background of like, I'm gonna listen to these bullies. I'm gonna listen to whoever is talking to me and I'm gonna try to make hay out of it. That's
3: yeah, it's exactly um exactly it. And like I I never attack like very I mean I have, I've definitely lost my temper on people before on stage, but Uh, that's few and far between, but I never try to like, like, you know, like a he comedian brings down heckler and like, that's so (laughs) whack to me. Like, I think it's so crazy. Yeah. Um, because I'm like, most people that heckle me, they're not heckling because they don't like my act. They're heckling because they feel so comfortable with what I'm saying. They're like, Oh, I got a bird too. You know what I mean? It's like weird things like that where you're like, how am I going to yell at this guy? Like he's just in, you know, He's just excited and drunk and spoke out of turn, but he's very pumped. So I kind of bring that in. I'm like, what did you say? Like, make it so everyone can hear it. And, you know, it's it's almost like you let them dig their own grave, right, in front of everybody. And you look like a genius as a comedian. Like, oh, my God, he's handling it so well. I'm like, I really just let that guy talk.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We should maybe clarify for people who uh, aren't familiar with your work. uh, When you say, I have a bird, too, it's because you have a bird. That's
3: because I have a bird.
2: You have a parrot? Yeah. Is that right?
3: I have a parrot, yeah. How old is see, this parrot? See, Oh, man, that, this parrot's got to be... I'm 32, so that parrot's got to be... Whew, 15, 16 years old now?
2: <laughs> 15, 16 years old. Now, I'm familiar with this bit from your, from your act, so I don't want to go into it too much, but this is a, a parrot with a, a limited vocabulary on some level, right? Yeah. Right. Oh yeah. And and 15 and 16 and you didn't really want it wasn't a gift for you per se.
3: No, was, yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't know. I'm like the more thing but I'm like more I'm like were my parents having marriage trouble and they brought in this goddamn parrot to save them like <laughs> too young to understand what was happening at the time. I don't know. We're still together so and the bird's still alive so
2: maybe it'll work. I've never heard of a bird marriage counselor but that's I guess it's possible. <laughs> I had a I had a budgie. I had a budgie growing up. There's a lot of sort of parallels between you and I, I think that I, I think that's why some of your work resonates with me. I had a, a budgie named Buddy, and he loved me, and I saved his life a couple of times. My sister sat on him once, you know.
3: Oh my, yeah, yeah, yeah. sat
2: on him with, What happened was his legs were on either side of a cushion, and she didn't see him. He's a bird. I, I blame him for this. He should have got out of there. But she sat down and he went between the two cushions, so his legs were kind of up. You know, Ooh. and he was kind of suffocating. And I was like, five minutes later, I was like, have you seen Buddy? And she's like, no, I don't know where he is. And then she stood up and he popped out of the couch. He just popped straight up into the air. <laughs> yeah. And his wings were all akimbo and I had to pull his legs. Anyway, the, the bird life, people don't appreciate the bird life. I thought, uh, I loved having a budgie. I thought it was a great pet.
3: Uh, we had a, we actually had a budgie before uh, the parrot. You graduated saw, and,
2: from budgie to parrot. They, just, they and, went from small bird to big bird.
3: Yeah, I think the the budgie was my, like that was actually my first pet. Like that was like you're gonna learn how to take care of uh this bird and and it was pretty good. I love my little budgie Sasha, she was alright for uh I think she lived like five years, man. She did good.
2: Yeah, buddy was ten and he, he uh he uh, could say his own name. I taught him to speak.
3: Uh I don't think no, my budgie definitely just mimicked sound still. She didn't <laughs> she didn't speak. None of my birds <laughs> I, I don't know what's going on with my, my
2: <laughs> none of my, my birds. Words. None of my birds is a weird. No one has said that on my show. None of my birds were very good. Somehow I don't know what's <laughs> wrong with me as a bird person, but my birds weren't great. Uh, well, <laughs> that's that's funny. Now you uh, are you you you're doing comedy in Toronto. I feel like the comedy situation in Toronto is in a pretty good place, it has evolved, that's my outsider perspective, what do you make of the Toronto comedy community, and the infrastructure, maybe even, are you, are you making a living, are you happy with how things are going, are there things that could improve? Uh,
3: I mean, it's, it's amazing, man, like, it's, uh, it really is, you can get on stage, and yeah, making a living, uh, not a great one, but I'm making, uh, you know, we're doing, it's something I never thought I could do, so I'm, I'm very happy to be here, um, and uh, it's just like I don't know, man. It's such a strong scene. There's so many amazing comedians uh, in and around Toronto performing every night for free in, in you know bars all across the city. It's it's pretty insane. Um, and it's grown since I first started too.
2: Yeah, it has. It seems to be. I mean, there's now a dedicated, at least uh, like a cool. I think of the comedy bar as a kind of a cool version of a comedy place there's i know there's where, where do you perform comedy i don't mean to single out that place i just know that that when the that opened, comedy
3: bar is amazing man uh definitely the comedy bar also I, I don't know if you checked out the corner comedy club
2: i've heard of it i have not been
3: uh he's now he opened his third location in niagara which is pretty the the biggest difference from when i first started comedy and now is the is independent comedy Hmm independent comedy wasn't like really a thing like it's it when i first started it was like if you you better sign with yuck yucks otherwise you're not a comedian right
2: yeah exactly yeah yuck yucks is a kind of a i feel like it has a mixed reputation
3: well when i was like uh my first showcase for that mark breslin actually told me to be more guyanese (laughs) in my act
2: and did you take that to heart, or were and, you offended? And
3: that's I was I was that's when I was like a twenty year old kid, not not understanding who I was, and still struggling with like trying to be like I don't know if I'm fucking like what am I supposed how am I supposed to be? Yeah. And for him to say that, I was like, I'll never work in this club.
2: Oh, you were you were totally offended by it. Yeah, I was like because it was
3: like when Russell Peters was getting big, and I'm like, you just want me to do a friggin' accent? That's what you're saying by Guyanese? You want me to do a Guyanese accent? I'm not doing that.
2: Yeah, it's weird when they want the accent. I had an audition for something once, and I was telling a story about my family, and I did it. Well, I did a take of it, and then they said, "Can you? Why don't you? Why do you do it with an accent?" <laughs> it's crazy. I'm like, Jesus Christ! Like, what the hell? I'm not going to do that. Why would you yeah. say that to me?
3: Yeah, and why? Why do you need an accent in this? This has nothing to do with anything. It's well, so weird. I will
2: say, I don't know if did you have this. I had a thing growing up where I did pander to the whites in my school, and I would do kind of like. You know, I would use the words that I wasn't supposed to use, just to. It was almost self defense. It was like the scene in Eight Mile where Eminem kind of disses himself the whole time. Yeah, yeah. You I kind of say
3: the worst things about yourself before they can, right?
2: Yeah, I undercut myself and my culture just to, you know, make sure that they couldn't do it. Maybe I don't know. But did you do that at all? Did you kind of, I don't know, put yourself down or your culture down?
3: Not. I mean, other people kind of did it. Like, like I was half and half, right? So it was like you get shit on. For either not being one, or you shit on for being both, right? So, you, so it was like no win for me and my brother, really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but also, there there weren't a lot of white kids in my school. Beach. Like, I, I man, I can think of three. Oh, my entire like life. I oh, okay. Honestly, yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, I grew up in Cambridge, so it was very white. Um, yeah, you t-
3: a lot of white guys.
2: Uh, <laughs> a lot of white people, and I was, and I, I became whiter and whiter and whiter to the point where I'm basically a white person i mean <laughs> nick you gotta check out my record collection i am more or less a white guy and it's just the way it is i mean i i, I you know i'm first generation i th- i'm i'm comfortable with myself now i think i i kind of am sad that my kids aren't going to have as much sort of indian stuff going on because i haven't right. really pushed it every once in a while i'll use some hindi just like i'll be like chalo let's go like you know let's go yeah. I, it just comes out of me and i'm like why am i I'm turning into my parents. This is so weird. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know. I I. It sounds like you're at peace with yourself in terms of all that stuff as well. Uh.
3: Yeah. I mean, I, I don't have, I don't like, I think the kids thing is like, that's a whole nother like, holy shit. How do I like, you know, you're trying to take your, your, your personal culture and upbringing and what you find that you've grown and loved and, and, and identified with plus what, you know, you're. Your families, which made you find what you found, does that make sense? Like it all, it's all one, and you kind of want to pass it on to your kids. I don't have that, well, on kids, so yeah, I'm but, still stuck on my own. Like eh, I don't know.
2: All of my girlfriends have been white, which I think is interesting. That's now.
3: that's Cambridge, though. <laughs> I don't like. I think you. That's that's what you had to choose from. Visha, I mean, like that's. What,
2: <laughs> no, there were I some. Was, there were some, and you know, I could tell. You can also do. You, I have a thing where, like, a person of. A particularly brown, a brown person will in those situations will gravitate. They'll they'll gravitate towards each other a little bit, or kind of do. I used to call it the checkout, the brown right. checkout. They're just like, <laughs> oh, they just size each other up a little bit, and then it happens to me all the time. And I'm like, oh, there's a. I notice it, but I've never. I don't know. You're right. Maybe it's the Cambridge. Maybe it's the Guelph. Maybe it's just where I'm at. You you have had a, a diverse array of relationships, is what you're saying, uh, or implying. A
3: lot. I, I uh, a lot of a lot of uh, like my family made fun of me in growing up because all uh, my girlfriends were Asian.
2: Oh, okay, and, there you go. And that
3: was uh, like another thing because I'm like that. It's the it's a population thing. I I yeah, totally
2: demographics. It's like,
3: yeah, it's a numbers game, man. It's, <laughs>
2: it's,
3: it's not a preference. It's just like yeah, it's just so, how it works out.
2: So Breslin says this thing to you, and you're like, you know, yuck, yucks, can whatever uh yeah I'm not dealing with that but you do incorporate aspects of your cult you're just not doing accents and stuff but you do you're not shying away from your heritage you talk about your heritage
3: absolutely yeah well it, it, it's uh it's a, like a big part of me right like I I grew up around only Guyanese people so it was uh in, in like in my mom's family right there it was and I was there
2: all the time uh so when he saw your act were you doing that I don't think I was, no. There you go. I I wonder
3: was talking about... uh, Yeah, maybe he meant that... uh, You know what? Thanks, Mark (laughs) Russell.
2: No, I'm I'm actually serious. Maybe that was like you were initially putting it off, but maybe subconsciously it got to you a little bit. Like beyond Uh, making you angry, maybe you're like, you know, it just sort of, you're saying it naturally happened. You just started to explore your culture a bit more in your work.
3: Yeah, I think so. And also, you know, it, it was the Russell Peters thing.
2: Oh, you, you, uh, you, you Because you, Russell was yeah.
3: huge at that time when I like and, and he, he did all Indian accent, right? Like so I was like, I'm not Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you.
1: Yeah, I'm not I, doing it in an accident, man. Yeah,
2: I quite dislike him. Is he revered in the Toronto comedy community? Is he? I know he's successful, but what do you have any opinions on him? Uh, as a brown comedian or a beige comedian, if you will. Uh, I mean, he's like
3: the first like superstar, right? Like that, he's humongous. But uh, right now, in the comedy community, is like uh, he's kind of getting outed for stealing a bunch of jokes now. So it's not a uh, right. He's not revered, no. Um, but I mean, like, goddamn it, man. He he is he is very good at what he does, uh, and very rich. So, <laughs> I
2: have to respect that on some level. Good for him.
3: Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, you know, he's a stand-up comic. I got like he he tours arenas. So at some point, you have to be like, that's pretty crazy.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, he hasn't done well. Are you, uh, are you, did you follow like his Juno hosting? Stuff like he just seems to be a controversial fellow now, and he seems to make odd decisions when he's in front of a national or international audience. I find
3: he sh- he shouldn't host uh, anything like he-, he, shouldn't, <laughs> he shouldn't that shouldn't be a
2: thing. Like- <laughs> I think comedians are in a weird position where when they do you actually think? Com- I've talked about this with comedians a lot lately about this 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 current moment in time. It's a very sensitive moment in time. So if you're a comedian and used to pushing the envelope on some level, do you do you sense that? Do you sense that it's a bit more difficult to do that in this day and age, where everyone is being a bit, certainly being more sensitive to what people are saying and doing, but also more outspoken about it?
3: Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely harder to do. It's but I think when you do it and you do it right, the payoff is that much greater because mm-hmm. it was it's such a tightrope walk now, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know you're very immersed in, in Toronto life, and, and I want to ask you, not the magazine, sorry, I meant <laughs> <laughs> Life in Toronto. You have a, a podcast about the Raptors, right? I do, yes. What, what's the podcast called?
3: It's called Talking Raptors, and uh, I co-host that with Barry Taylor.
2: And, and who is Barry?
3: Barry uh, is a comedian, and he's the founder and, I guess, CEO of Comedy Records,
2: Right, which is based in Toronto and and very prolific. There seems to be, there seem to be many releases on on the comedy records uh, imprint.
3: Uh yeah yeah it's it's uh, the biggest one in Canada. Uh, it's crazy. It was like that. None of that existed when I first started comedy. So for Barry to come and like start this seven years ago, mm-hmm. uh, and you know build we built this from the ground up. Uh, it's it's pretty crazy. Where it's like, it's a thriving company now that has connections in New York and Miami now so
2: Yeah no, it's doing very well and I and, and obviously you're saying it, it or I think you were saying that you do you feel it, it filled a void there was nothing like it was going on here
3: No nothing nothing like it was going on it definitely it definitely filled a void and, and and uh it like uplifted independent comedy and kind of gave it kind of gave uh, there's a lot more independent comedians now Yeah who, who, don't want to sign with yuck yucks like We're, there's not they don't care about it anymore and that would just was impossible when i started
2: and and i will say i should say that uh, in because i think of barry's efforts and there's lots of kind of advocacy for stand-up in canada right now uh and recently this year i believe might have been the first is it the first year the juno awards had a stand-up comedy category
3: uh it's a it, they or had some it before, time yeah, yeah like they kind of got rid of it 20 years 20 right. years or something like that yeah
2: so they have a and, and is, is that fair to say it's largely because of people like barry who were like hey like what the hell why don't you have a comedy award category
3: oh absolutely like they championed for that pretty uh pretty hard guys like ben Miner from uh xm uh those guys push really hard and 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 they were a work man it worked.
2: Yeah. Okay. So there's something going on. Uh, Can- Canadians and the infrastructure seems to be appreciating comedy. Now there's a push for, we have many granting agencies here in Canada for the arts. Uh, I would say that's, that's fair to say many, but the primary ones are like the Ontario Arts Council, the Canada Council for the Arts. They have not uh, really, and, and you know, it's music, theater, dance, film, all sorts of categories, but now there's a push for comedy, right, to try to get that kind of funding.
3: Yeah. So yeah. Well, right now, uh, stand-up comedy is not even recognized as an art form, right, in Canada.
2: Yeah. What the hell? Why? Why? How is that possible? Given I don't know. I, we've I, talked I, about Mike Myers. We talked about Jim Carrey, Kids in the Hall. There's Lorne Michaels for crying out loud. There's a yeah. rich history of cutting edge comedy from this country. And why? How is that possible? Do you have a perspective on that? Why? Why is comedy not taken seriously in? The, why is nothing that we make? In Canada taken seriously by Canadians until an American takes it seriously. I don't get it.
3: Uh we're all have that inferiority complex, I think. I'm 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 not really sure why. You're from Scarborough.
2: Uh, you should know the answer to this somehow. I don't know what that means, but I just yeah. feel like your perspective on the world is is important <laughs> and for this huge question. Um Huh. well i i I know
3: why stand up like stand up itself is like i i I know why that's not considered an art form not it's it's it should be but it's like stand up is the only thing like it's the only art that you can kind of watch and be like i I could do that you know what i mean like you have two drinks like i could i'm funnier than this guy you know what i mean You're never you're never really at like a play or something you're like "Ah, i could do that scene better than this idiot you know what i mean like so it lends itself to like, oh, it's just some drunk idiot talking into a microphone. How's that art?
2: It's so weird to me because I think of the smart, a really smart, great comedian, I think, is potentially the smartest person in any room. Uh, I don't know. That's just my instinct now. I, I really think coming up with a way to make people laugh is uh, is really uh, out of nothing, you know, just creating yeah. something that makes people have an involuntary vis- visceral reaction is really remarkable. And I can't think of many people who, you know, just creating it yourself and performing it yourself. Like I don't understand how this is not taken more seriously. That's my thing.
3: I I agree with you.
2: I'm glad you agree, because if you didn't, we'd be in trouble. I mean, you're a comedian well, I, for crying out loud. I'm,
3: tr- I'm trying to get back into the magic game, Vish, I don't know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Magicians are something else. Anyway, we kind of <laughs> I went on a tangent there and a slight rant, but tell me more about your Talking Raptors podcast. That was the point of this. What do you guys do on that show?
3: we basically just obviously talk about the Toronto Raptors and, uh, good title, so,
2: good title for the show, by the way, I should,
3: I, yeah. right to the point, eh, right. to the point. But
2: <laughs> well, what kinds of um, things do you analyze games? Are you analyzing just the, the state of the team on a weekly, but like how, what, how often does the, the show come out?
3: Uh, we try once a week. We're both disasters, so, uh, it doesn't always <laughs> work out that way, but we, we try for once a week. Um, and we, our whole point is we'd never want to talk about like the actual basketball side of the game. Unless it's like something very, very tremendous or something very, very awful. Like we all talk we talk about like the culture around the team, you know what I mean? Like oh. oh Demar Demar Rosen's posting weird things on his Instagram. What does that mean? Uh things like that. It's like very like socially and like pop culture based things around uh my favorite basketball team.
2: Okay. So you're not you're not it's not a game by game analysis. You're just going no. through the culture and so well, by the way, I mean, what do you make of Demar DeRozan is now no longer on the team as we're speaking, unless he comes back by the time this goes live. Yeah. He, he will not. He
3: will not be back. Uh, no, I it hear. doesn't.
2: Not under the current management. It doesn't seem that way. Uh, that yeah. was. What did you make of that whole situation? We got Kawhi Leonard, but what do you make of that?
3: Uh, so I'll put it in terms of. Uh, I'll t- tell you how we framed it in our podcast, and 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 I'll explain it to you that way. Um, so. DeMar DeRozan is like my favorite Raptor of all time, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. of all time. More than Vince Carter, like he's the greatest person to put on a Raptors jersey.
2: Wow. He deserves a
3: statue. Uh, He he took our team from like garbage to like talked about. Like, you know, he made himself into an all-star. He's like – an incredible, like he—he's a—he's a basketball player that I'm like, oh, kids should look up to him, and I'm like, I would never say that. That's you know true. I mean? As a person, in, yes, should look up to Demar Derozan as a human being and like follow that guy. That guy won't
2: steer you wrong. He's a good dude. Um, Dignity—he's got dignity. He's kind of a quiet, understated yeah. guy, and he, integrity just yeah, doesn't absolutely. run his mouth. Uh,
3: love that guy, man. Um, yeah,
2: it's sad. I'm—I'm I'm quite sad about it to be honest. The only Raptors. Team like player T-shirt I have is a Demar Rosen T-shirt. I, I he meant a lot to me too. Yeah, he's he best, means a lot to me. He's not gone. He's still he's gonna do well. I think, and
3: he will. That's he. Mm-hmm. It, it, it actually is. It's a blessing in disguise for Demar Rosen to go to play with the greatest coach in the game, right? Absolutely. Like go go learn. Yeah. Uh, that guy will will make you great. But we now have Kawhi Leonard. Okay, so I'll frame it in terms of the podcast. So, Sorry, uh, go ahead. Yeah, how I said with Demar Rosen. That being said, how I feel about him the last podcast of of the season, the title of that podcast was called Mr. Regular Season. And I had to go back and listen to it. And it was basically me and Barry so angry at DeMar Rosen for the last two games of that Cleveland series.
2: Well, he got benched in the second last game, right? Yeah,
3: he got benched and then uh, he got ejected in the fourth yeah, one. right? Um, and I was like, this... And just his comments about how, Le- uh, you know, if LeBron wasn't here, we could win. I was like, okay, I was super, super almost done with DeMar DeRozan. I'm like, this is it. This is as good as you're going to get. We're never going to beat. We're never going to get better than this. You're going to choke every playoffs. Yeah. And then we traded for Kawhi Leonard, who's arguably the second best player in the game right now.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And definitively the best Raptor
2: Wait a minute, you think Kawhi Leonard is better than I assume the first is LeBron. you think Kawhi Leonard is better than Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, these kinds of guys? Yes. Okay, interesting.
3: Kawhi Leonard is already a finals MVP and a champ. He won a finals M V P at twenty two and like defensive player of the year.
2: No, I'm not I'm not doubting it necessarily. I'm just going by results. Yes, it's true. You're right. You're absolutely right. Those those stats are true. Uh those yeah. distinctions are true. Yeah, okay.
3: Yeah. He's uh he's He's top five,
2: we'll say. Italy. Oh, you're downgrading. Right See, I convinced you. I'm thinking, like, you know, there's, okay, there's a couple of guys <laughs> out there that you got to... Westbrook, Harden. <laughs> he's on, he's on our TV. These guys. I know. No, I he's... think he's fantastic. Don't get me wrong. I'm excited. I, I texted our mutual friend, James Keith as soon as it happened, to be like, dude, what the hell?
3: Yeah.
2: So I yeah. I saw it coming, too. That's all I'll say. But sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead.
3: No, no, no. Um, so I'm just like, yeah, man. If we, we, we traded... Damar for that guy? Yeah, okay. I'm fine with that. That's when you do trade a guy like Damar. You don't trade him for like multiple pieces. You sure. like that? go get a go get a goddamn superstar, which we've never had the likes of.
2: Franchise player, absolutely. What about Casey though? What about the firing of of the coach Dwayne Casey at the same time?
3: I think if Dwayne Casey had this team there with Kawhi Leonard. He would kill it, to be, to be honest with you. I think this team, as constructed right now, is perfect for Dwayne Casey.
2: Do you, do you think these decisions were fair given the season the Raptors had? Like the, the fact that they more or less thought we got a clean house? On some small level, they clean house a little bit?
1: Uh,
3: I, I, do, I do think it, like...
2: You thought uh, it was necessary?
3: I don't think it was necessary, but I, I understand why it had to happen. And something did have to happen.
2: You know, when LeBron went to LA, someone tweeted this was the greatest day in Raptors franchise history. I don't know. I don't know if it was one of you guys who did it. Actually, I saw it, and I it thought it might have been.
3: We were very pumped that he he left. Um, yeah, the, East, left the East. Eastern
2: Conference. Yeah, and, and and then a few weeks later, everything went to hell in terms of the Raptors. They all well, maybe. Sorry, no. I guess Casey was already gone. I don't think. No, I don't think the Demar trade had happened. No, there. yeah, no, so, Demar was there. That's right. Because so-
3: De- Demar reacted to that too. And this is another reason. Like, so after the trade happened, I think he did that interview he did. I can't remember if it was uh, at the USA Basketball or if it was the um, the actual sit down one he did. But he definitely, he definitely said, "Oh, he, he, you know, it took him by surprise. The Raptors didn't tell him he's getting traded." Yeah, yeah. And He's like, "You know, LeBron's out to East now." So I'm like, "We had a I'm like, "The fact that you said that like multiple times that LeBron, this one man, really bothered me." And it bothered me for for like a few years about Demar Derozan, like and and he's scared of LeBron James.
2: But Nick, don't you? Okay, again, James Keystone and I are talking before the Cavaliers Raptors series, and he's yeah. like, "Oh man, we're good. They got nothing." And I was like, "Are you serious? They have LeBron. Like he's been to the t- he's been to the finals like eight times in a row. Yeah. How can you discount this?" And he's like, "What? Who? What? Who are they going to get? They got nobody." I'm like. I don't know, James, I'm, I, you know, and I watched every Raptor series, the Raptors and the Cavaliers each had sort of bad, uneven series, the previous, previous to meeting. And I was like, I watched the Raptors. They don't have a killer. They don't have an assassin. They don't have someone who can shoot threes all of a sudden. Really, they don't. And I yeah. don't, I don't, I don't see this happening. And then the Raptors got swept by the Cavaliers. Yeah. And I know all you guys were heartbroken, but, and it wasn't about me saying, haha, I was right. I was just like, I watched those games I didn't think they had it in them. I didn't think they could beat LeBron. I and I and when you say just this one guy, you're now you're going to be mad at me the way you're mad at DeMar DeRozan, but that guy, <laughs> I've been watching LeBron play the whole time, you know. And I watched, I'm older than you. I watched Jordan play. I watched all these guys play on TV. And yeah. I'm telling you like I've never we have never, I'm I'm ups, I was upset by the decision. I was upset when he went to Miami. I've been rooting against I, when he went back to Cleveland, I he kind of came back into my good graces. Yeah. Watching him play, he's the smartest basketball player I have ever seen. Yeah. Uh, and he knows the he knows the game, he knows the floor. He chokes sometimes, like he's a human being. Yeah, yeah. But Absolutely. my my goodness, like I did not I was not at all I saw that game one they should have won, frankly. But the, aside from that, I just was like once they lost game one, the way they lost it, the Raptors, I was like, yeah, I, I I think that I think the Cavs got it and they did. And then I mean, we all know what happened in the finals when they got there against Golden State. They, in turn, got swept. But still, that guy is ridiculous. So, you, I think DeMar has a point. And I understand what you're saying in terms of gamesmanship. And that's just not... Even if you're thinking that, he, you're saying he probably shouldn't be saying this stuff. Absolutely. Because
3: yeah. I'm sure everyone thinks that. It's LeBron James. You don't go out and say that to, your, to a fan base. Yeah. He, I remember. I don't know if it was this year, but last year, Demar was like, "I'll pay you hundred bucks if anyone can tell me how to guard this guy." It's a joke. But you're like, you look at Boston Celtics, they're young kids. Jalen Brown was like, "I'm mad that he's not in the East. I want." He's like, "Yo, we almost had that." Dude. Yes, exactly. He's not beating us this year, and I'm like, "I want. I want that guy's attitude."
2: Yeah, I agree. I agree. You're right. It's. It was. I think maybe Demar became too Canadian.
3: Yeah, oh, that's hilarious! Yeah, that's exactly what
2: happened. <laughs> he just be- went from Compton to like uh, <laughs> I don't know. He became a Milton guy all of a sudden. Yeah. I don't know what happened.
3: Uh, that LeBron guy's pretty good, eh? <laughs> what, DeMar,
2: what? <laughs> okay, well, in any case, uh, this the 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 podcast sounds sounds great. So you're gonna what, is it, you're saying you're off season right now, or are you, are you still doing it?
3: Uh, it, it's off season, so it's very very. It's whenever me and Barry want to. Yeah. We have something that we want to talk about in the off season, but yeah. We're it gets better every season. We figure out more and more. This is I think this is season six now we're going into.
2: Oh sweet. Okay. And so uh you uh, did you activate the show when all this stuff went down with DeMar? Like you did an episode.
3: Yes. Right. Yes, okay. absolutely we did an episode. And that episode was uh insane and and uh I actually see it on Demar DeRozan way more than we
2: thought we were, <laughs> guys, which was crazy. Is the is the Raptors organization sort of aware of your podcast?
3: Yes, we're we're hosted on like uh, the biggest fan Raptors fan site. Oh, which nice is Raptors Republic. So uh, we're sandwiched in between like super heavy basketball analysis and and. Uh, <laughs> And some of their readership don't know who we are once in a while, especially with the Kawhi trade. So all these new people came over. Oh, okay. And they're they're listening to their podcasts about, you know, Kawhi Leonard, shoots. You know, he shot fifty six percent from the field, and and then me and Barry are talking about I'm like, ah, he's got cornrows still. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's very different. <laughs> very okay. different podcast.
2: So people need to check out. Uh, people listening to this podcast should check out Talking Raptors. It's it's uh, it's it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's, a great, it's a great show. Now I want to ask you one last thing before we wrap up because I understand you're you're nominated for some kind of comedy award or you're trying to be nominated for a comedy award what's going on uh, I'm,
3: in a, I'm in XM's top comic competition I'm in the semi-finals and uh, I'm in the nightmare stage of my life where I have to beg people to vote for me mhm uh like a pol- you're like compliance. a politician you're like a politician basically yeah, and this is it is honestly my nightmare to uh <laughs> b- bother people and promote myself is something that I hate doing. I always hate it I've refused to enter comedy competitions because I don't really believe in them um but this one is like the biggest one in canada uh what
2: do you what do you get if you win
3: you get twenty five thousand dollars and um Spots at just for last Toronto, just for last Montreal, and just for last Sydney, Australia.
2: Oh, there's a JFL in Sydney.
3: I didn't know that. I know. I did. I, yeah, I think very. As of last year, it just
2: started. So. Oh, man. I got to review that one. I want to go to Sydney, Australia. Hell yeah. <laughs> I want to be on a plane for 36 hours or whatever it takes. <laughs> uh, so, you, uh, how do people vote for you?
3: Uh, you go to. What is it? SeriousXM.ca? Like the,
2: the, okay. Yeah. The website. Okay. And, and is there some are they going to see a clip of you like how is the vo- is the voting just done on reputation is there like some no kind of...
3: there's you can watch my which is my the only saving grace i have because i'm not like uh i don't got legions of fans but i my my stand-up is very funny and that is on the website and you get to watch everyone stand up and you get to vote for, you get to watch and vote for whoever you like best
2: okay all right so people should go and vote for you to be uh the, voted as the best comedian in canada what what else is coming up for you nick any any plans any shows? Mm,
3: lots of shows. I mean, shows all around Toronto and you, I got to am filming a bunch of uh weird sketches. Oh. Uh to promote myself for this competition. So that's what I've been doing. Uh and those are going to come out soon. Some there's some weird ones for sure.
2: By the way, sorry, what is the vote, when is the voting deadline? Um
3: August 17th. People have to Voting vote. Voting is August seventeenth. Yeah.
2: Okay, and then is, then you determine if you're in the finals. We have to vote for you again.
3: In the finals, no. That's I think it, I actually oh. get to do up for like for money, which is the best. I'm like, yes, let me perform. Oh wait a minute. Uh, so if
2: we vote for you in the semifinals, and you and that works out. Do you is do you end up going to the final? Like I don't understand. Yeah so, yeah. so
3: if you if I if I win, like I think it's the top six top or top eight from this round top vote-getters from this round go into the finals, and, and the finals is just a show where you do 10 minutes.
2: Okay, great. Okay, Which,
3: which, which I'm, I, I'm, more, I'm happy to do. <laughs> please, please get me into the
2: finals. Yeah, you just want to perform.
3: Yeah, I don't want to beg for votes. It's crazy. It's just like doing stand-up comedy.
2: Okay, well, I do hope people go vote for you, and I've already voted for you once. Apparently, I can vote multiple times. Is that what I heard?
3: Oh, yeah. You can vote every day, and from every device you own, which just... is pretty insane okay it's okay i forgot to vote for myself twice already so
2: (laughs) you mean you missed a couple of days or you just haven't yeah i missed i
3: missed that i missed a full weekend and i was like perfect
2: that's not good put it in your phone alarm everyone just vote for nick like every morning that should be your how you wake up i gotta vote for nick until august 17th okay so where can people learn more about you in the uh in the on the computers on their phones where where would you send people
3: um, I would send people to like my Instagram or Twitter, but everything is at Nick Reynoldsen, at Nick Reynoldson on Instagram, at Nick Reynoldson on on Twitter.
2: Okay, your website is NickReynoldsen
3: Yeah. Okay,
2: and do you have are there any recordings, Nick?
3: Um, I like like do I have an album? Yeah, or? yeah. I'm some I'm, I'm working on it, and okay. I'm very far behind on it, but.
2: I, I ask for a couple of reasons. One, obviously, to promo something and plug something. But also, normally at the end of a, a music interview or even a comedian interview, I'll ask someone if we can go to a track so people can hear some stand-up or hear a song. But you don't have something like that I can go to right now. Is that what you're saying? That's, that's, that's what I'm saying. I
3: just got YouTube. Click. I got my x m Top Comic uh video you play that
2: do <laughs> you want me to play that i can play that i can i can yeah. i can capture it how do i find you will tell me after tell me how to find it i'll find it i'll work rec- i'll capture it and then i'll put it on the show and and do you do you want to tell us what that is about if if, if i can find it do you the want to stand upset yeah you yeah, want to absolutely. contextualize it what, what what did you do
3: um it's actually uh we covered it a lot of it in our conversations it's about me being mixed and also uh, i talk about my bird in that so
2: okay your bird i, I mean it comes back to the bird yeah, it all comes. It, all, back
3: it always does. That bird is hopefully going to win me $25,000.
2: Okay. <laughs> That's what you want out of a bird. You want to leverage yeah. it for money somehow. Yeah,
3: pull. You got to pull your weight, CC. It's about time. You're going to be alive for another 30, 40 years.
2: I have not had as extensive an avian conversation on this show as I have today it's, it's a lot of bird stuff and I did not expect <laughs> that okay this is uh, this is Nick Reynoldson doing some stand-up uh, Nick uh, thank you so much for your time today and being on this show it's always fun to talk to you I wish you the best luck with everything going forward
3: thanks so much Vish. Uh, thank you for having me man I appreciate it dude
1: please welcome to stage a very funny the hilarious Nick Reynoldson.
0: what's up guys uh, listen, I know I look like SiriusXM sponsored a child. I understand that. Let's get, let's get that out the way. like I look like I came with the venue, you know what I mean? Like, like like when they signed the lease, like, by the way, there's a kid in the basement, you gotta feed him. And I come out nighttime and I clean shit. <laughs> it's okay guys, I know I look fucked up. Uh, so, <laughs> some of you guys look fucked up too, you know what I mean? Oh, do you think we're all tens here in this basement? Is that what we thought? Good for you guys. I admire your confidence. Um, but I'm going to tell you why I look like this, guys. It's because I'm mixed. <laughs> and you know they're always like, oh, mixed kids are always good looking? <laughs> Sometimes you get a bad mix, you know what I mean? It's not always Science. And people fucking guess when you look like this. But we're in Canada, so everyone's like really polite about it all the time. They're they're always like, hey man, do you like burritos? (laughs) Or shawarmas? Which one is it? I know. It's an ethnic rap of some sort. (laughs) But my mom's from Guyana, uh, and my dad's from Canada. So when a brown lady and a white man, you know? have sex (laughs) ta da (laughs) and I don't know why I came out like a gay Mexican dude with a shitty haircut I don't know (laughs) do you guys know what's fucked up about that joke is I control the haircut part this was (laughs) (laughs) I was like yeah give me what lesbians liked in 2014 I want that shit I want people to be confused when they look at me (laughs) I want someone that's high in the back, like, this Chinese girl is hilarious. I love this. <laughs> it's weird when you grow up mixed though, because when you grow up mixed, you don't know what the fuck you are, you know what I mean? Like I was never Guyanese enough to be Guyanese, but I was never like white enough to be a white guy. I was always in like beige limbo, you know, <laughs> someone except me, right? <sighs> and literally when I was growing up, I used to think it was just me and my brother as our own race. I'm like, we got to get more members. We're not going to make it like... <laughs> like, do I look healthy? <laughs> if I catch the flu, that's 50% of our population gone. <laughs> How the fuck did we start off in danger? Give us a chance. <laughs> like, I look like Mark Anthony took that divorce from J-Lo hard as fuck. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's in a comedy competition now? Jesus. Do you guys ever look back in your life and try to figure out where it went wrong? <laughs> yeah, right? Like, I'm like, why am I competing for money and not a doctor? You know what happened to me? I know what went wrong, though. You guys remember when you are a kid and everyone's getting their first pets and shit? Everyone's getting, like, dogs and cats, right? My parents bought us a bird. <laughs> Nobody wants to hang out with the bird guy. I'm this guy. <laughs> no one wants to hang out with that fucking guy. And birds are terrifying. I don't know why the fuck you would ever get a bird. Like, birds don't even look at you like normal creatures. Like, they look at you... Birds look at you like this shit. Like, like they already got a problem with your lifestyle and shit. Why would you bring that in the house? And it's a parrot. It's going to live like 95 years, this goddamn... Like, my parents are going to die. I don't want this fucking bird, guys. And it's an asshole and like growing up everyone's like, oh man, you got a parrot that's so cool. Does he talk? No. (laughs) He's an asshole. You know what he learned to do? Mimic the sound of the microwave. That's what he learned to do. (laughs) It's just constantly beep, 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 beep. You're like, how many pizza pops did I put in this shit? (laughs) Does your bird talk? No, you want to know what else my bird learned to do? Mimic the sound of doors opening like a fucking psychopath. (laughs) You know how many times I've been high by myself at home, (laughs) watching TV, all he goes, I'm gonna get murdered! How many fucking doors are in this house? Beep, 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 beep. Who put that in there? I'm starving, thank God. And I remember the day it happened, like I remember my mom coming home, she's like, I got a bonus today at work, so that means we can get a computer, or a parrot. <laughs> and I thought she was joking, because we didn't own a computer at the time, so I come home excited, and walk in the door, <laughs> Are you fucking serious, lady? Like you know I'm gonna have to write a resume at some point in my life. You know I can't use Excel to this day, I don't know what a spreadsheet is, because we got a fucking parrot. You guys know how hard it is to watch porno on a typewriter? Do you understand how hard that is? You gotta do open bracket, period, close bracket, open bracket, period, close bracket, and you're only at the titties, it's a lot of work. And I was just more mad at my mom. I'm like, why the fuck are those the only two options? How could it be paired to computer? How about vitamins for me? Do I look like I'm doing okay, mom? How about another round of groceries? That would've helped me out quite a bit. Uh, thank you guys so much, man.
1: <laughs> Nick <laughs> Reynoldson! keep it up for Nick!
2: Best of luck to Nick Reynoldson with this XM Top Comic Search Contest thing, and, and thanks to Nick for appearing on this, the 417th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available... On all iOS and Android platforms, and also on things like Spotify, YouTube, and Audio Boom as well. If you can't find an episode that you're looking for on any of those platforms, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my regularly scheduled newsletter, please visit my website, vishkana.com. You can like Creative Control on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, at vishcreative, or follow me, at vishkana. Listen to a radio show version of Creative Control on Wednesdays at noon Eastern Standard Time, around the world at cfru.ca, or on an actual radio at 93.3 FM if you're in or near Guelph. Also, please visit patreon.com slash control to make a flexible monthly donation to keep this podcast going. Thanks again to Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, Planet Bean Coffee, and Granddad's Donuts for their in-kind support of this show. Also, my friend Jim Guthrie for letting me use the instrumental version of his song, The Rest is Yet to Come. Every week I end the show with that song. You're hearing it right now now JimGuthrie.org for more information about jim and his amazing work and uh thanks once again to you for listening to this show all the time (laughs) reviewing it rating it downloading episodes of the show subscribing to the podcast and spreading the word about it i'm doing the best i can you're doing the best you can we're all just doing the best we can let's keep doing the best we can i will talk to you soon goodbye for now